Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Martian. So glad to have you along for the ride here today. Today, we're going to take a look at this hour. We're going to take a look at the, the role that men play in society, the role of uh, the masculine uh, uh, mindset and how it has become so toxified. Why is it that so many people are just flat out afraid of masculinity? I mean, it's amazing how many men work at jobs that are dangerous or rather physically demanding and uh, kind of repetitive. And at the same time, they, you know, they get shamed for it. I was reading an interesting story that's kind of a confluence of a couple of different uh, uh, schools of thought that we've explored here on the Bottom Line Show. And I wanted to kick off the broadcast with this one. Uh, Remember at the start of the pandemic, how we heard from Capitol Hill and from the environmentalists and the auto manufacturers, whatever, that the best thing to do for the nation was to do two things. First of all, get a vaccine shot. And second, get an electric car. Maybe not necessarily in that order. But, you know, it, it was, I have to admit, it was really breathtaking, literally and figuratively. Lisa and I were living in Corona at the time the pandemic first hit and we, you know, 15 days to stop the spread. And remember, we all kind of walked around like, what do we do? Can we go to the store? Do we not go to the store? Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? We went for a lot of walks, went a lot of bike riding. We both were working from home. I remember doing the bottom line show in my home studio. We didn't have a studio line. I would record it to a little Zoom uh, Z6 uh, recorder or H6 recorder. And then I would send it through internet transfer to Tamara who would produce it then she sent it to Joel and then Joel we had a couple weeks there where that's how we did it we did it kind of like uh uh, like Morse code carrier pigeon whatever it was crazy but something that did happen that was fascinating to watch was to watch the skies in Southern California clear up especially in the Inland Empire if you drive the 91 on a regular basis and by the way if you do take uh, California Highway 91 uh from the 55, if you're going into Moreno Valley or Temecula, Marietta, wherever you're going there, um, if you do get the whim every now and again and you're listening on terrestrial radio, of course, AM 740 KBRT, KBRT is the 50,000-watt superpower coming out of the Cleveland National Forest, which is literally literally right in your backyard. It's 50,000 watts during the day. It's like 200 watts at night. But in that area, you could still pick it up clear as a bell because you're so close to the tower. Well, In addition to that, I don't talk about this enough, but as you're driving through Corona there, and maybe you're there right now, if you are, honk your horn. Um, I don't, I can't hear you if you did. I just, (laughs) Um, but if you flip over to the FM dial and listen on 100.7, to my knowledge, that's the only, well, there's, KCBC has a a low power translator in in Modesto as well, 94.7. Uh, but 100.7 FM in Corona, you can hear the bottom line show literally from like where the 71 expressway all the way past the 15. Uh, sometimes you get a couple miles in, but there's a whole Corona is a city of 150,000 people. Basically, everybody in the city of Corona can hear the bottom line show at 100.7 FM. And if you're a national city, you can pick us up at 103.3 FM in San Diego area, just in case you were wondering. Okay. Reason I bring that up is because we're talking about cars. Um, the electric vehicle was supposed to save the environment. Joe Biden won the election in 2020 and by 2021 announced that by 2025 or 2030, he expected, signed some kind of executive order, that every federal worker who drove a quote unquote company vehicle would be in an electric car. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't, the other night, uh, well, I guess it's the other night, it's right before Christmas. My son, Jake, has recently taken over as the band director at Laguna Hills High School, his alma mater. Had a real welcome back Cotter moment back on the 15th of December when they had their first Christmas concert. And instead of playing in three different groups, there Jake was directing. And it was cool. He was good. He was, I mean, he has a good group of kids, and he brought out the best of them. It was really kind of cool. But it was my first time being back on campus there in probably 10 years. And so they built in all those over hangs those kind of shade protectors that also generate they capture all the sun they generate solar energy now quite frankly if every public school had that i would be fine with that if every public building and uh you know whether it's a state or federal or city building it has those in the parking lot fine every school fine if they want to make a mandate where every school bus is electric fine i mean if that's what the city wants to do i'm all for that However, will someone please take a look at the whole chain of progression 
on the electric vehicle and do the math, that whole whole is greater than the sum of the parts thing is really important to look at. Environmentalists, leftists, progressives will always do the same thing. You know what they'll do? They will look at the, um, the CO2 output and say, we need to lower carbon monoxide emissions or carbon dioxide, CO2. And so we'll go to electric cars. Electric cars burn cleaner than carbon, the, the gas and carbon fuel. So therefore, electric cars are the way to go. Well, maybe, but petroleum plays a huge part in the creation of a lot of products. There are many household things. Your house would not function, neither would mine, were it not for petroleum. Not because you're burning petrol in the house, but because of all the things that are manufactured that go into your home that are made with petroleum. Even on down to Vaseline petroleum jelly. Maybe, maybe not. And then there's the power grid itself. Look at the electric vehicle and ask yourself the question. Where did the parts come from? How was it manufactured? Oh yeah, we talk about the electricity in the battery, but how much petroleum went into making that car? What kind of carbon footprint did it leave to make the car? When the environmentalists say, we need to have these meetings all over the world to talk about cutting greenhouse gases, let's get into our you know, greenhouse burning, ozone depleting airline cruiser jet or whatever and fly wherever we're gonna go, well, that seems a little hypocritical, doesn't it? And then there's the issue of the electricity itself. Where does it come from? At one point, nearly 40% of all the electricity that was consumed in the United States was created by coal. So it burned cleaner at the end because electricity, but then there was the coal factor. Lisa saw something uh, the other day. It was a, uh, um, it was a social media post, might've been on TikTok about a guy who had an electric car. I don't know which model it was, but he was describing what a pain it was to have the electric car because he said, let me see, I'm going to charge this car up and it tells me I'm going to go 195 miles on this charge. Okay, start the car up, go driving down the road. Well, now it looks like we're only going to go 170 because it's recalibrating based on how fast I'm going and the road conditions, the weather, etc. Well, now I want to turn on the air conditioning. Well, the air conditioning is going to take more pull from the electricity. So therefore now my range just went down from 175 to 145. Want to turn on music on your stereo system? That now it's down to 130. And before you know it, your, your expected travel distance on the charge is cut in half because you're using everything else in the car. It was very apparent that there was a lot of government behind the scenes going on when Elon Musk was building up Tesla and getting government subsidies to make batteries, uh, when Chevrolet was building the Chevy Bolt electing bolt get it or they had the volt at one point in the bolt and we reported on the bottom line show this probably 10 years ago that chevy was selling the bolt for forty thousand dollars but it actually cost eighty thousand dollars to build one car and they were taking a bath on that but they were getting federal bailouts for that well general motors made a shocking announcement that kind of lines up with what's happening in the rest of the electric vehicle world the first part of this is doesn't have anything to do with electric vehicles the iconic Chevy Camaro is no longer going to be made. Uh, Chevy is laying off 369 workers at the Lansing Grand River Assembly Stamping Facility, uh, where they're also going to start making some cuts, because that's where they have been making the Chevy Camaro. And if you don't buy the 2024 Chevy Camaro, then you're out of luck. Effective two days ago, 350-ish, probably 369 when it's all said and done, will in fact be let go. But then it gets even worse. GM's going to lay off another 945 workers from the Orion subsystem facility in Lake Orion, Michigan. Apparently, uh, I don't know when they're officially going to be laid off, but the last Chevy Bolt, B-O-L-T model, rolled off the assembly line back on December 18th. The reason is that GM and many other electric vehicle makers badly overestimated consumer demand. The Chevy Silverado electric vehicle, the GMC Sierra electric vehicle is going to be in the Orion facility starting in 2025. But they'd expected to be cranking with both barrels loaded on this one. GM had to 
take a step back over the fact that they thought they were going to be making another 40,000 electric vehicles this year. Now that's been put on hold. Consumer demand has dwindled for electric vehicles. More people are figuring out they cost a lot. They're not as practical. If you drive an electric car, I hope you enjoy it. I really honestly do. It's not for me. I've test driven a couple. Not for me. If you like it, go ahead. But please know that when it comes to charging your car, we don't have enough electricity on the grid. I mean, something like what, 2 or 3% of all vehicles right now are electric. If the media had their way, you'd think that everybody in America was driving one. That's not true. But General Motors is laying off, and Tesla is laying off, and all sorts of manufacturers are laying off, and it's because of the overestimation. Chevrolet's going to take a huge hit. General Motors is going to take a massive write-down on the value of their company because they're not selling as many electric vehicles. That's simply supply and demand. But you know who's going to get hurt by that? More men than women. And the reason why is because more men than women work on assembly lines and do those types of things. And so as much as we could say, well, it's a you know, supply and demand type of thing, another aspect of this dilemma involves the fact that I, when I was growing up, the guys working on assembly lines were making good money. They were supporting their families. But nowadays, it's getting tougher and tougher for guys to find work, especially the guys who don't necessarily have a college degree. Does it seem like there's a war on men in society today? Does it seem like masculinity is something that people uh, really have a disdain for? Well, author and educator Dr. Owen Strand believes that, yes, there is a war on men. However, there's a way we can win this battle and prove to society that everyone needs men and women to make the society function. He's written an outstanding new book called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Owen Strand talks about masculinity coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Stephanie Kovar understands that personal injury help is a uniquely Christian concept. Christians sometimes balk at using a personal injury attorney after an accident, but Paul said that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you've been injured, it's important that the responsible party makes your temple well again. And the idea of restitution for lost wages and medical care comes from Exodus 21 and 22, where God outlines the concept of consequences and restitution. That biblical concept says that a person liable for injuring another must replace what is lost as a matter of justice. Sometimes being made whole means being compensated, and Stephanie Cover will fight for your wholeness because it is the Christian thing to do. And she is refreshingly honest. So if she feels like she's not the right attorney or that there is no case, she'll be upfront with you about it. If you've been in an accident, find out at no cost if Stephanie can help you by going to kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R. It's no secret you've heard the term before, the war on men or toxic masculinity, what's wrong with guys in society, and even asking the question, why do we need men? It's interesting because when you think about the definition of toxicity and then you put masculinity with it, you might ask the question, well, is there something wrong with being a masculine man? Well, today here on The Bottom Line Show, a couple of guys who would like to think of ourselves as masculine men but not toxic are going to have this conversation. I, as your host, and Dr. Owen Strand as my guest. Dr. Strand is a, a noted writer, a noted speaker, hosts a podcast, and is the provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary, senior fellow for this Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview, holds a doctorate in theological studies from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And more importantly, he's a married father of three, so he knows what it's like to see this play out in someone's home as well. His brand new book, his latest book, takes on this topic. It's called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Owen Strand, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me back on. Well, it's good to have you back on, especially because I think it's it's no secret. You know, sometimes people in the church, especially, will get picked on because they're saying, "Well, you're always talking about Christians being persecuted or you know, they're, they're belittled or whatever in the culture." But your evidence and other writers like Nancy Piercy and others have said, "Hey." There really is a war on men in our culture right now. We've got empirical data that backs that up. Talk about what, what led you, what was the, the, the need that you felt to say, hey, look, we've, we've got to address this here in the issue that there is a war on men, society hates men, but quite frankly, we need men. Yeah, I think it was hearing that phrase that we all hear a good bit, men are toxic or masculinity is toxic or toxic masculinity. 
Uh, it's now popping up in kids' cartoons on Saturday morning and these sorts of things. So it's really crossed into the cultural bloodstream. And if, if that's being said, it's not just being said, it's being heard, and mm. probably it's being believed. When you look at the suicide rates, for example, of men in their 20s compared to women in their 20s, it's not that we want one of those groups to be you know, doing better than the other or something that's a terrible uh, category to measure. But the suicide rates of young men in their 20s are five times higher than young women today. There's a lot of different metrics I could give you. Young men are struggling tremendously to hold jobs. Young men are dropping out from college at seven times the rate young women. In general, any real statistical study is going to show you today that young men are doing very badly. And so you don't have to be you know, a born-again Christian like I am who really cares about biblical manhood in an unusual way to care about this issue. A lot of people listening to us right now have nephews, cousins, kids, friends, neighborhood uh, members, and they're seeing young men struggle. They're seeing young men not grow up. They're, they're kind of unsure why. They don't know how to help. And so I've written this book, The War on Men, to try to do just that, to try to help uh, from a Christian standpoint. Help us understand. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you're taking the stand. And as a as a youngish man, I mean, obviously you, you've earned a doctorate, so <laughs> you've been through some things. And you're the parent of three, so that <laughs> means you put through even more things. I understand. How old are your kids, by the way? Uh, they're 15, 12, and nine. Girl, boy, girl. Oh boy. Okay. Well, you you got all of it. You're a girl dad. You got teenagers. You got middle schoolers. So <laughs> we're going to give Owen Strand a medal of honor, you know, for being a dad and, and, and <laughs> tough enough to take this topic on. But then with what you're living at home, but I guess you get some case study analysis to find out how your son responds differently to, than your daughter does to the to the culture. But talk about for just a moment. Give us give us an idea of what we're missing in the culture. I think a lot of people in the feminist movement back in the '60s and '70s just kind of assumed that. Men being men, but if we level the playing field for women, then everything would be fair. And I don't think they realized that it was a zero-sum game, you know, that a lot of the advancement for women in society took a toll on guys. Talk about how important men are, I mean, in particular in terms of leadership and risk-taking and things like that that we're missing in culture right now. The huge problem we tend to have just as human beings is that we tend to swing between extremes. So it may have been you know, that women's contributions were not seen the way they should have been. Mm -hmm. But whatever you think about that supposition, we have not swung to a good place today because um, the, the, the natural instinct of many men to want to be strong and to want to step up and to want to lead and put themselves on the line and use their God-given strength for others. Men on average have 50 to 60% more upper body strength than women. Men on average have 2,000 to 3,000% more testosterone than women. All, all that God-given wiring, if you deny that, nothing good is going to come of it. You think of how little boys come up to you at a playground, or at least they used to, and say, feel my muscle. You know, they mm -hmm. want you to feel this, mm -hmm. like, teeny, teeny little lump of a muscle. It's not even usually <laughs> there, but hey. Right, yeah. Uh -huh. What are... What are they voicing? They're voicing a desire to be strong. Now, mm -hmm. that desire can go off the rails easily. We both know that. Everyone listening right. knows that. But it also can be channeled for very good things. And the Bible doesn't want men to be weak in themselves, in their sin. The Bible calls men to be strong. You think of David speaking to Solomon, be strong and show yourself a man. So in the Bible, there's this call to strengthen God, and there's this call to prove your strength. But today, our culture in America, in the West, is saying to young men, don't be strong, be weak, step back, don't lead women, don't mansplain, don't be assertive. And that is having, again, horrible effects because it's going against the God-given wiring of boys and young men. I'm talking with Dr. Owen Strand today here on The Bottom Line, and I love the fact that you're, you're bringing this right down to a level where we can all understand it. I mean, where we can see this happening and taking place. And the reality is, as you're describing this war on men and this societal hatred toward men trying to categorize all men as toxic, the damage, of course, that's being done to men is, is noteworthy, and you write about it in your book, The War on Men. But also there's damage being done to women, too, as a result. Think about that, if you would, Dr. Strand. Yeah, women are the ones who are not winning from this whole uh, enterprise, this whole rigged game now where boys and young men are supposed to lose and we're all supposed to clap for it. Uh, no, women are the ones, you think of uh, women in their 20s, for example, who want, to be, who want to be married, even 20s and 30s. When I go speak somewhere at a church or something like that, I now 
not uncommonly have women in that age range come up to me and say, help us know how to, to, you know, to activate men, so to speak, in order to even be thinking about marriage, because the young men in our dating pool, in our age range, uh, too often, not always, but too often are overgrown boys. Mm. And so if, here's the deal. If you don't call men to strength and growth and to become something greater than they, in, they, greater than they are excuse me, by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you let them stay a boy, if you don't ask them to take on responsibility, if you don't push them to mature in a loving but firm way, guess what? Guess who is going to suffer from that entire setup? It's mm. not going to be just men. It's going to be a lot of women, a lot of women who are expecting a whole batch of adult men to be there to do all the hard things that adult men do. And increasingly in America and across the world, those adult men just aren't there. They're not showing up for their shift. They're not around. In my book, The War on Men, I, I call men to repent of sin and reject childishness, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 13, 11, and all other texts. But I also am trying to put an arm around men and not, say, not just say, hey, guys, you're idiots, you're goofballs. That's not my message. My message is you have been told that. You have been encouraged to be a boy. Be a boy no longer. Step up. The good life is not going to be found in staying like you're nine years old. The good life is going to be found in, in stepping up to the plate and taking on God-given responsibility. Yeah, can you imagine what it would be like for us, Dr. Strand, in our adult years here, you and your not-60s and me and my 60s, if we still had the same desires today that we did when we were nine years old? And we and that was the standard, right? You know, how cool would that be? You know, I mean, I'd be living on pixie sticks. You know, I mean, it just it, it's not—there's no way we, that we would have any kind of healthy existence, and it certainly wouldn't be helping other people. But that when I was a child, I thought like a child issue from the Apostle Paul. Uh, it, It's—we yeah. we need biblical men, and, and the, of course the war is on men, and it's, it's also— on boys, and it's important for us to understand the differences between what's happening here and then how it plays out in the culture. Dr. Owen Strand with me today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk about some of the men that we do see in society. And yes, there is such a thing as toxic masculinity. It's not just for all men, but what happens when we do see this, and is there an antidote for this? We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this uh, special edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh talking about toxic masculinity, or so society thinks there is a problem with this. Biblical masculinity really is one of the solutions to making the culture better. And Dr. Owen Strand is my guest today here on the program to talk about this. He's written a brand new book called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have not one, not two, but three copies of this book we're giving away today. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, Dr. Owen Strand, the author of the book, Toxic, or The War on Men, rather, about toxic masculinity with Nancy Piercy. Uh, the War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. It is interesting to see that at the same time, the cultural elites of the world are saying, hey, you know what? Men aren't good, but women are, unless you're a man who becomes a woman. And then, well, okay, the, the transgender male is okay, but the, the biological male is toxic. But what about women who then transition to becoming men? Are they okay? Because they used to be women first, or they really are women with extra testosterone? I mean, this is where society gets so confused. Uh, yesterday on the program, I, we were giving away copies of Dr. Jim Burns' book, um, Doing Life with Your Adult Children. And I mentioned yesterday my daughter Emily turned 30. I can't, can I tell you? Oh, maybe she's not listening. She's at school today. She's a teacher. Uh, she turned 36 yesterday. Um, and when she and her husband, Brian, found out they were expecting their second child, they uh, started doing a series of tests and, uh, you know, to make sure everything was okay with the baby. And one of the tests that they did was a blood test that gave them all sorts of information, including the gender of the baby. They had ultrasounds and they had pictures, but the final determining measure for her and for her sister, who's also expecting, um, that's why I know we're expecting a grandson in March and a granddaughter in April, is the blood work. I mean, it's literally written on in our hearts. So the idea that there's toxic masculinity may not be the way we're born, but maybe it's the way we're raised. 
And one of the things that Dr. Owen Strand writes about in his book, The War on Men, is the fact that when you have passive men who don't learn how to uh, have healthy risk-taking, uh, they, they aren't assertive, they become aggressive, they become angry, they become hostile, and then the toxicity shows up and society says, see, that's the problem, men are toxic. But there's a biblical solution to the problems in society of what do you do with masculinity? Dr. Owen Strand and I are going to get into that on the other side of this break. Don't forget, we're giving away three copies of his book, The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Here's Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services with a reminder that your investments do more than just make money. They actually change lives. This Christmas, we gave our family the gift of life. So I thought, let's do the same for our Wilson financial clients. A way of saying thank you for being in partnership with us in the ministry. What we're going to do to honor our clients is we're going to fund 100 ultrasounds per month, each month for the next 12 months through preborn. Also, each quarter, we're going to buy an ultrasound machine. And at the end of the year, those machines will be saving an average of 1,600 children per year. We do this to honor and inform our clients of this great ministry and to say thank you for being our clients and being our friends. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Dr. Owen Strand is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Owen's book is called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And before we get back into the conversation, Dr. Strand, I have to ask you this because I've always wondered, my dad was in academia for many years, what exactly is a provost? <laughs> whatever you want it to be. In this magical mystery world that we now all live in, a provost is whatever you identify as. No, in all seriousness, a provost is usually the the academic officer who runs the school day to day. The president focuses on higher leadership and fundraising mm-hmm. and whatever else, and the provost uh, sort of sets the tone for the academic running of the institution. I love it. Well, Dr. Strand is the Provost and Research Professor of Theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary. So I thought, well, I've, I've always wanted to know. Now we know. Thank you for answering that question. <laughs> and that's that's Absolutely. something. Well, and that's something that as a young man, I, did you aspire to that? I mean, you're, you're in academics, you're in ministry. Uh, what was your life growing up like? How did you get to the point now, Owen Strand, where you can look at this culture and say, wow, I was raised to be a godly man who's not toxic, but has drives and desires and and passions that I want to fulfill for the kingdom of God. What was the imprinting like for you when you were younger? Yeah, I was raised not knowing anything about provosts and the life they lead, <laughs> the mysterious life they lead. Yes. Um, I, I was raised in coastal Maine, and I was raised with a father who walked the woods of Maine for a living as a forester. He mm. wasn't a man of a lot of words, unlike me, but he was a man mm. who modeled uh, Christian faithfulness to our local church and to his family and that sort of thing. He served as a deacon. I remember him distinctly um, serving two elderly ladies in our congregation. We had a tiny 50-person Baptist church that we were in, but my dad would faithfully take communion to them and uh, take it really seriously, and that impressed itself upon me. He was always there uh, at church, and uh, he was also always at my games and my sporting events and that sort of thing. And so my dad was really that steady presence that boys and girls alike desperately need, and mm-hmm. that in increasing measure, young young boys and girls today have less and less and less in America. But Dad was a Christian man, and Dad was a steady man, and Dad was there. He showed up. And that is mm-hmm. so much, honestly, of what biblical manhood is, Christian manhood is. It's showing up. It's showing up, by the way, when, when no one else wants to show up. It's doing the hard jobs that no one else wants to do, and that's, of course— taken all the way up to the apex by Jesus Christ. He did the mission of salvation that no one could have done, and mm-hmm. no one would have wanted to do. No one would Amen. volunteer for death by crucifixion for the forgiveness of sins, but Jesus did it for us uh, so so we could know him eternally. Amen. Amen. And that's I, I really appreciate and resonate, especially with the fact that your dad's presence made such a huge impact on your life, even though he was not a man of many words. It's amazing. My dad is 90 now, and it's same type of thing. He was not a man of many words, and yet it's amazing how many of the words he did speak that I still remember and recite <laughs> to my kids, to my grandkids. It's a, you know, Dad really had an impact and, and still does even today. Uh, we were talking about the brand new book by Dr. Owen Strand called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why 
why we need them. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we were just getting into on the first segment uh, a conversation about why there are, you know, why, why there is this war, what happens to the guys, and we see a lot of, you know, kind of shiftless, aimless young guys who just don't know quite what to do. That failure to launch thing is, is very real. But once guys mm-hmm. figure out that society says, we don't want you, we don't need you, they kind of disappear, and then they become lost and there's a, it's kind of a progression that a lot of guys go through because we're still men but if you don't have any direction or any cause you describe it in the book if you walk us through it dr strand that would be really helpful well you walked it through nicely yeah that's exactly what i'm after there's a generation of lost boys out there uh to quote peter pan and um they they just have struggled to find the script and they're walking through a kind of malaise, frankly, that is hard for a lot of fathers and mothers and church leaders and others to know exactly how to address. What exactly do you do when the will is basically seems broken or, or does not seem to work? There is no on switch for, for just basic living, uh, basic right. maturity. I don't have all the answers, but what I can say is when you go back to biblical principles and when you go back to fathers and mothers in the home who love their son and point their son to the truth and a father who models that in a manly way and a mother who loves her son in a feminine way, and then you pray for that boy and you ask the Lord to work in his heart and you push him to to take on responsibility and try things and work and get a taste for all those kinds of things, you know, you're doing what you can. And, and that's a, that relates to the previous discussion we were having a minute ago about our fathers, where you don't need fathers to be, you know, these uh, intellectual superstars thinking thoughts about manhood no one has ever thought. You really just need men to be there, to be steady, to be present, to be grounded in Scripture as best they can, to be humble, repenting of their sin, joyful, laughing, enjoying life. If you've got those things on the table— that's really, I think, what men are called to provide. We can't save our kids. We can't save our sons. We all, I think, today, in 2023, though, have to recognize, yes, failure to launch is a big issue. Churches need to give attention to it, honestly. I, I don't know that I've really heard many churches ever talk about it, but we need to. We need to help young men snap out of this malaise by the grace of God. It's interesting as I watch my adult children now, I have a daughter who's almost 36, another one who's 33, a son who's just turned 29, and then my bonus kids are kind of in the same age range. And it's interesting to watch a certain level of competition between my son and his two older sisters who have accomplished some really great things, I mean, which is wonderful, but they have passion for the Lord and they're just following those those earthly passions that and turning them into spiritual desires. One of the things you write about in the book is the fact that what's happening in masculinity is that you're seeing kind of an aggressiveness, uh, even maybe an exaggerated uh, version of masculinity. Really, there's an exaggerated masculine and femininity in the culture right now. How do we help our young guys become, you know, men who are men, definitely, you know, guys, <laughs> but they're chasing passions instead of lusts. You know, they're not, they're not so over the top with what turns out to be toxic, but they're still men. They're still warriors. They're still, you know, looking to protect and defend and, you know, pursue, you know, all the things that we that God would have us do as guys. Yeah, I think it's taught in the home, and I think it's reinforced and taught in the church as well. And so if you have that culture, and then you have uh, a dad who's got some of that warrior vibe to him, I, I think that's really what, you know, God expects us to try to put in place in order that our boys would catch that spirit. Um, so, so those are the building blocks. Yeah, you, you, you want your young men, you want your boys to see that it is fundamentally good to take dominion, to figure things out, to take risks, to step up. So we can't smother our boys either, and that's a real instinct of today. Um, we, we can't, you know, cover them up such that they never get, you know, a split nail or something like this. You've got to let mm-hmm. boys be boys to some degree. Of course, you're shepherding them, correcting them, working with them, but you've got to do that. On the other hand, you're also not trying to so emphasize boys being boys that you, you know, green light any behavior that seems masculine. And we have exaggerated forms of that. You see that in, in Samson's example in the Bible, in Judges 13 to 16, a kind of puffed out chest manhood, where he right. just goes and gets whatever he wants. That's not what we're after. We're after a, a Christ-like manhood. We're not after brashness. Um, we're after boldness in, a, in an appropriately Christ-like way. 
Dr. Owen Strand is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and we're talking about his brand new book called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Strand, in our final moments here, you mentioned that you have a son who is the middle child, and as a son who is the middle child myself, I know what it's like to be. Where are you in the birth order in your family, by the way? I'm one of two, and I'm the firstborn, so I got it pretty good. Now, I was going to say, you've got, you've got an easy pickings compared to your younger sibling there. What, what, is, what are you seeing in the life of your son and the principles that you and your wife are instilling into him, as well as your daughters? But since we're talking about the war on men, what, what hope do you have in seeing the way he's responding to what you're writing about, what you're studying, what you're learning, and what you're teaching? It is no boring thing to raise a son, as anybody out there <laughs> doing it knows. And mm-hmm. sons will drive you up and down the wall. Sons will... Um, bring a tear to your eye. Sons will crack you up four times an hour. And all of this is within, you know, the span of, of a quarter of a day. So, so boys are not boring. All that extra testosterone, 2,000 to 3,000%, that counts for something, man. That tells, that plays. And um, what I find myself regularly having to do is, uh, is practice what I preach. You know, here you are talking about the goodness of boys or whatever, buddy. You know, well, well here it is. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's another basketball game. It's another cornhole game. It's, it's more questions to answer. We, we have to recover loving our boys. I, I, honestly, that's a very simple, basic thing to say. But I fear that even in the church, we're tempted to not love boys, to be exasperated by boys, to you know mm-hmm. just push boys away, to hope that someone else will work out the issues with our boys. Our boys need an arm around the shoulder. Our boys don't need a cold home. They need a warm home. And uh, we we need to double down on depending on the grace of God and shepherding those boys. That's a continual challenge for me. Let me say publicly, I fail in it. I'm not a perfect father. I don't have perfect patience. Um, I don't always want to get up, and and sometimes I just want to read the scores and uh, catch my breath after a long (laughs) day of work. I've got a headache. But, Mm -hmm. But, you know... The upward call of God, Philippians 3.14, is, uh, is so regularly coming to my ears these days and saying, mm-hmm. no, 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 buddy, uh, your dad did this for you. Your dad went out and played catch when he was tired. You get up there, you connect with him. And so often what happens is when you're having fun with your son, you can have the, the conversations you need to have. You can talk about some issues. Yes. You don't want to fail you, Jim, but it opens up avenues for discipleship. So I'm very much in the middle of all of that, and I'm, I'm loving it. I love it. Eyes on the prize. That's a great verse for us to, uh, to, to focus on as we leave this conversation, but hopefully we'll uh, recontinue this conversation at a later date. Dr. Owen Strand, the book is called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Strand, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thanks so much for having me. Great conversation. Appreciate it. What a great conversation. And uh, just a, I'll tell you what, Dr. Owen Strand is giving us so much to think about and so much encouragement uh, for those of us who are looking at the war on masculinity and asking the question, why is this even an issue? But it is. And so we have to take a look at kind of declare war on the war on masculinity. Uh, Dr. Strand's book is called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we have giveaways for you. We're starting off the year. Man, super generous. And I'm grateful to all the publishers who have been providing us with this material because I know that you benefit from it. And obviously, I mean, these guys are writing books and they hope to sell some. But, you know, in a case like Dr. Owen Strawn, I mean, he's got a full-time job. I mean, he's, 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 doing, he's doing okay. These books are, I don't want to say a labor of love, but they write them because they're, they're important topics to be discussed. Dr. Strand has uh, uh, mentioned that many times on the program before. We have not one, not two, but three copies of the book called The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them, and Why We Need Them. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you're old school and you remember back in the days of Rich Bueller and everything for KBRT, that's 800-227-KBRT. Okay, 800-227-5278. Not one, not two, but three copies of the brand new book by Dr. Owen Strand called The War on Men, uh, Why society hates them and why we need them there's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com as we continue some of the things that we discussed have been uh, reported in other places as a matter of fact there's a study published back almost seven years ago now that actually identifies why men are so beneficial in society and why 
quote unquote Christian men are actually <laughs> what society needs more of now more than ever before. We'll talk about why that's important coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Dr. Owen Strand for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. His book about the war on men is up at thebottomlineshow.com, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. Uh, Like mentioned, we've got it up on our website and uh, we've got three copies of the book to give away. Not one, not two, but three. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I I mentioned this, and, and Nancy Piercy mentioned this too. We had her on the program last month to talk about her book, The Toxic War on Masculinity. And one of the things that people are are beginning to wake up to is how much of the so-called toxic masculinity, war on masculinity, you know, how do we wipe this out? A lot of it is what we say is anecdotal. In other words, it's something that maybe you've experienced, maybe you've seen it happen before, but you wonder, okay, well, is this really, I mean, that's the question we all have to ask. Is this the norm? Is this what's happening in the society on the whole? Or is this an isolated incident? I mean, I remember talking with a guy who's a, a, the founder of a, a, a ministry for uh, for dads and for young men, uh, better fathers, that's Rick Johnson. And he grew up in a home where his stepdad was very abusive. And, uh, and, and Rick said when he got married and he and his wife started having children, he found that he was disciplining the kids really, really harsh. You know, quick to go to the belt, you know, it's, it's corporal punishment, whatever. And finally his wife pulled him aside one day and said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm disciplining our kids. And she said, you're abusing them, you're hitting them. You're not really correcting their behavior. And he had to take a step back and realize that the way he grew up just kind of assumed this is the norm. And a lot of people do that, right? I mean, if you grew up in a home where mom and dad don't fight much and they're kind of quiet and docile and get along, and then you meet other people who have that kind of tension in the home, you might think, oh my gosh, what's wrong with them? Instead of realizing, hey, wait a minute, my parents were kind of an anomaly because they didn't have these kind of visual displays. I mean, I know for me personally, that was entirely my mom and dad, both of them fiercely independent, both of them only children, really had to work hard to make their marriage work out. But I also know too that uh, I never saw them fight. I just never heard them utter a cross word with each other. It wasn't until they got older, you know, you could start seeing them fuss a little bit and you know, that, that type of thing. But by then, you know, the, it wasn't gonna hurt anybody. And, uh, and it was just kind of, your body's getting older and, you know, <laughs> kind of fussing. But Brad Wilcox is a sociologist who did a study on who has the, uh, the, the highest divorce rate among men. I mean, in terms of socioeconomic status, this, that, and the other thing. And the argument was they were trying to find out in the study so many different, you know, stories of bad behavior among men in the church. And, and granted, there have been lots of them pastors who are abusive, uh, congregants who, uh, you know, the wife goes to the pastor and says, I need help because my husband is abusive. And, and the pastor says, no, you know, just go home and be a good submissive wife and winds up with a big problem. And, and to be fair, here in Southern California, there was a big problem with this a couple of years ago. I'm a case that stems back almost two decades. Uh, Grace Church, uh, John MacArthur's church had a, a guy on staff who was abusive to his wife. And she went to the elders and said, hey, this is a problem here. I'm fearing for my life. We've got young children. And they met with the guy. And uh, and initially he said, okay, you're right. I've got this issue. I'm going to get counseling. We're going to try to fix this. And so they went back to the home. Within a year later, they were not only divorced, but he was up on charges. I believe he's, I, I know he was charged with child abuse. And I believe that he may even be serving time right now. Well, fast forward to last year or the year before, and organizations like Julie Roy's pick up on this stuff, and they say, hey, what's going on here? I mean, you had a pa- an elder, I mean, a pastor on staff who was abusive toward his wife, and what did you do about it? Nothing. And well, the church doesn't really address it, and we, we talked about it before, and you know, they leave people with the impression that the church didn't seem to care. But here's what the study that Brad Wilcox did that found out. When you see a story about bad behavior among men in conservative churches, true, those stories, I mean, they're there. They're, they're not, I mean, they're, they're not something that we should uh, shy away from. Uh, a real man would step up and say, hey, there's an issue here, there's a problem. But here's the issue. The, 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 one, the couples that have the best success rate in terms of staying together, not having issues of divorce or domestic violence, this, that, and the other thing, 
are not in the so-called nominal Christian guy, but in the man who's a true believer. The Wilcox study found that the best rate of staying married and keeping a safe household and this, that, and the other thing were men who were regular churchgoers, but who were actually serious about their faith. And not surprisingly, the highest incidences of divorce, domestic abuse, were guys who were churchgoers who weren't serious about their faith, even higher than people who never went to church at all. So you could see where a lot of people are beginning to, well, by the way, we got this statistic in a nice article in the Christian Post. We'll put it up at thebottomlineshow.com so you can click through and take a look at it. Because it takes a certain measure of discernment, a certain analysis, balance, and clarity on the issue to say, okay, well, why do so many people think that men are toxic, that masculinity is toxic? And the, and the reason is really very simple. It's kind of a myopic view of masculinity and femininity in our culture. And the myopic view basically stems from the fact that if you all you ever do is read the headlines, here's another story of a pastor who was abusive, here's another story of a guy who was a, an elder in his church who, you know, guilty of sexual assault. We, we shared that uh, story uh, not too long ago about the guy who had been a pastor and his family was facing, facing financial distress. And so he attempted to kill his wife and children and burn down their house because he didn't have the courage to tell them that he'd gotten behind on the mortgage and they had been evicted. I mean, there's, you began to see what's happening. But there's one big difference between the man who creates that kind of environment at home, allows for that type of toxicity, and the one who diffuses all that toxicity uh, all, the way, all the while. What exactly is that one key pivot point? Let's look at that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Bottom line show listeners have been so supportive of Preborn and I appreciate you and I know that Preborn does as well. Preborn is the pregnancy resource center that offers women uh, options and offers women the truth when it comes to an unexpected or unplanned pregnancy. Now, if you were expecting pregnancy and you want to get a free ultrasound, you can go to our preborn clinic as well. It's very easy to do. And every time we donate $28 to the cause, that provides one free ultrasound appointment for someone who may or may not have the means to handle this. Now, Terry in Cathedral City recently called in a $1,000 donation. Thank you so much, Terry, for, uh, for giving us that call, especially out of the Coachella Valley. Also, Dennis in Los Angeles called in a $28 donation. Thank you, Dennis, for that $28. And also, I want to say thanks to Diane in San Diego, a $500 donation. Every $28 you provide means one more ultrasound visit for a woman who may be deciding between whether or not to keep the pregnancy or to keep the child. We are pro-child. 85% of the women who go to preborn and see the ultrasound choose life for their preborn child. And you can give a tax-deductible donation online today to support that cause. Go to kbrightradio.com and look for the preborn banner. Click the banner and make your best donation today. Welcome back to this edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. This week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is coming up in about uh, oh, five minutes or so. Um, we're taking a look at a study by Brad Wilcox, who's a sociologist whose reports have been quoted in many books as we were talking about Dr. Owen Strand's book, The War on Men, and Nancy Piercy's book, The Toxic War on Masculinity, and talking about how men in the Christian faith find themselves either at one end of the spectrum or the other with regard to healthy or unhealthy marriages and stable or unstable home lives. And according to what Brad Wilcox has written and what Nancy Piercy has identified and Owen Strand echoes in his book, um, basically, here's the thing. When it comes to men and marriage and which ones are successful, the best marriages are the ones where the man does not seek to take his own life as seriously as the consideration of the rest of everybody else in the family. The most toxic environments are the one where dad says, I'm the center of the universe. I'm the one who gets all this done. And if I don't get what I want, I mean, to use that Kevin Hart line, daddy gets a big piece of chicken. I mean, this is, this is what I want. And so this is what I will have. Now, obviously as human beings, we're responsible, we're accountable to God for taking care of ourselves. And we see that where Paul writes that, you know, the, the husband who uh, cares for his wife the way he cares for his own body, truly loves and, and is submissive to the marriage. But quite frankly, it's the husbands who take family seriously. 
It's the husbands who take their wives seriously. When um, Jesus quotes Genesis 2 and says, the husband and wife are no longer two but one flesh, what God has joined together, let no one separate. That's where you begin to see the difference. And quite frankly, I've seen it anecdotally, and now we have empirical data uh, evidence that proves it. That when people say that masculinity is toxic, there is a toxic masculinity in the culture. Ironically, you know who should be standing up to it and is standing up to it are the healthy masculine influences. It's not just the woman who was a victim of abuse who says, enough, I've got to get out of this home, that whole burning bed syndrome that's been popular in the media for 40, 50 years. That's not going to stop toxic masculinity. And branding every man and every masculine behavior as toxic is not the solution. The solution is showing what biblical masculinity looks like. And that means men, honor your wife, love your wife, be submissive to your marriage, put your wife above, basically as my friend and mentor, Dr. Jim Burns would say, outdo one another in loving each other, in serving each other. When a wife takes her family seriously, of course, things go well in the home. When a husband takes his family and his marriage seriously, things are absolutely ideal, according to the statistics. So the Christianity has the power to overcome toxic behavior in men, which oftentimes, as Dr. Owen Strand writes about in his book, is just a reaction to the fact that men don't have outlets to be men. And so basically you find guys who are basically shoved down and pushed aside and run over, they get frustrated and they act out out of frustration. By the way, uh, the book, The War on Men is outstanding why society hates them and why we need them. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com and we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And by the way, people have asked, they've been calling during the issue, if you want to look up any of the works of Dr. Owen Strand, we've linked it for you at thebottomlineshow.com, but he spells his last name S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N and pronounces it Stran, just in case you're Googling along with us at home. Three copies of The War on Men still up for grabs, why society hates them and why we need them. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and Rabbi Schneider with Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, it's this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, the first edition of NCR for 2024. And you may notice something a little bit different when you listen to the program. What is that different? I'm not going to tell you. You got to tune in. Stay with us next as the bottom line continues.